You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. And a couple of old fogies that are sitting in the studio this morning. I guess we're under the terminology of seniors ourselves. Good morning, Dr. History. Good morning, Senior Zeb. (laughs) Well, senior. (laughs) And I'm right there, too. Senior doctor. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It's okay. It's all all good. You know, every day that you come on this program uh, on Tuesdays, excuse me for the frog in my throat, and you have a different story, etc., and a lot of people... People stop me and they say, well, what's he going to talk about this week? Are you going to talk about old gunfighters? Are you going to talk about old stagecoach holdups or whatever? What about today? Today we're going to talk about, and I'm going to step out on a limb, somebody nobody has heard about. Oh, really? But he was a bad guy. Really? Okay, so here's what happened. On June 3rd, 1881... The newspaper called the Sedan Times of Southeast Kansas, published in his paper, said, quote, Last Saturday, while Willie Chadburn was gathering strawberries a short distance south of town, he was bitten on the hand by a copperhead snake. The boy has now entirely recovered. And as I go along here, you're probably going to say, maybe he should have not have recovered. <laughs> Oh, really? Okay. That was Willie? That's little Willie Chadburn. Oh. Okay, so uh, in 1880, uh, John W. Chadburn, they called him Willie, was the second son of five children uh, born to William and Molassa Chadburn. He was a Civil War veteran. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, she ran a boarding house, and they were a, a law-abiding, God-fearing couple. They tried to raise their kids to follow suit, but Willie was the proverbial black sheep. Really, of the family, oh. and you'll see what I mean. Okay. Now, Willie started out uh, uh, by being kind of a troublemaker because he tended to skip school a little bit, or maybe more than a little bit. Did you ever do that? Uh, I refuse to answer that uh, on account of my grandkids <laughs> might be listening. <laughs> so. Well, let me just put it this way. I grew up on a farm. My dad was a school teacher, so there were days when dad would pull me out of school to go sit on a tractor for the day, which I was more than happy to do. I'll so bet anyway, you were. Yeah. So here we are. Let's get back. July 1891. Willie is now 22 years old, and he made the jump from being kind of a local knothead to a career chem- criminal. <laughs> the night of the 27th, he accosted a guy by the name of Dick Cornell. Uh, robbing him of a watch and a chain worth two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. A week later, after robbing Cornell, Chad Burns stole a fine carriage horse, saddle, and bridle belonging to a guy named Frank Clark. 
Around 9.30 p.m. on August 22nd, the Times-Journal reported James Knox Tulos was closing his drug hardware store when two men entered in perhaps the only crime in which Willie didn't take the lead. Chad Byrne covered the door. The other man, likely a guy named, uh, a buddy of his name, Bob Dunn, uh, who was also kind of a crook, uh, he had a pistol and he said, throw up your hands, he ordered, and give us what money you have. And uh, Chad Byrne yelled to him, he says, blow his brains out if he doesn't obey. Really? Yeah. So they were serious. Well, the store, store owner promptly handed over his cash drawer, which contained about $15 in cash. And the two robbers fled. The city marshal went out looking for him. He came up empty, couldn't find him. Chadburn kind of laid low for a few days, old Willie. And then on August 26th, he started that Saturday evening's festivities by riding into the town of Sudan. And it says, after filling up on joint juice, having quite... Joint <laughs> juice. I don't think I've heard it referred to as that before. Hmm. Well, it was for medicinal purposes exactly. only. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Well, Will rode through town, firing off his pistols at every jump of his horse. He then galloped off towards a town called Chattaqua. Uh-huh. about eight miles to the south, and a half mile down the road, he met a life insurance man oh, boy. named <laughs> named J.G. Lewis. This has got to be good. Yeah, and pulling a pistol, he demanded the latter to, quote, dig up. I assume uh-huh. that means give me your money. Yeah. Lewis handed over a little more than $15, and Willie Chadburn continued on his way. A little farther along, Will encountered farmer Charlie Moore and also stopped him. Well, Moore only had about 35 cents in silver, so he let him go. <laughs> okay. Oh now, Sheriff Hartzell uh, and Under Sheriff Taylor tracked Chowdburn, and before losing his trail, uh, Will had cut east, and uh, though hardly richer, he had fully embarked on the, now here's another term, the Owl Hoot Trail. Oh, I've heard that. Have you heard? Oh, okay. yeah, there's All even right. a movie with that name. Okay. Yeah. So now he's a fugitive from justice. He's a pretty well, uh, he's an outlaw now. And his head, his uh, spree made uh, regional headlines. Uh, Will had been, quote, anxious to be known as a desperado and has assumed the name of Billy the Kid. Oh, he assumed Billy the Kid's name? Yeah. What yeah. state was this in, by Kansas. the way? Kansas. It was in Kansas. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So Will headed for another place over there called Coffeeville. He fell in with a guy named Hedrick and Shepard. Now, this was a pair of Arkansas fugitives, and with his new partners, Chadwood, Chadburn graduated to big-time crime by robbing the St. Louis-San Francisco railway train at Mound Valley in Labette County. Shepard, one of his partners, killed the express messenger in the process. Whoa. Now, they're, they're in deep. They're in trouble. Yeah. Well... It netted the robbers $32.60 each. They're not really big-time no, no. robbers, are they? He surfaced again in September. The Cedar Vale Star uh, newspaper report of a recent saloon incident said this, quote, The six-shooter was Trump's and took the pot. It began relating how a gun-wielding stranger, claiming he'd been cheated at cards, cleaned off the table, politely backed himself out of the saloon, and rode off. Well, no, was that Willie? Yeah, the the paper identified the stranger as Willie Chadburn. Okay, now officers had reg, uh, arrested the the other fugitives in Dexter, uh, the two guys that were in on the train robbery, and transported them to a jail at Oswego. 
there the detectives uh, convinced, well, they caught Willie, too. So they've got all three. How did Willie go this long if they knew it was him? Well, he didn't go very long. Oh. They, 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 they figured it out. Oh. Uh, but anyway, uh, the detectives convinced Willie to take a plea bargain in exchange for confessing to the train robbery and uh, uh, ratting on his uh, partners. So Will received a 10-year sentence in the state pen at Lansing. Hedrick and Shepard, whom officers also had rounded up by now, were sentenced to be hung. Oh. So they were pretty much done. Yeah. Now, Willie's uh, capture gave him the notoriety he'd been wanting to find. And the Oswego Independent newspaper reported, quote, entitled him to rank with the notorious Daltons and the Star Gang. Defense attorney John D. McBrien suggested his client had, quote, desire to emulate the deeds of those famed outlaws. He just wanted to make a name for himself. Why didn't he call himself Willie the Kid? (laughs) That's a good question. He's dead. (laughs) Yeah. Don't know. Well, anyway, Willie was no model prisoner. On his arrival at the Oswego Jail, authorities searched Will and found a steel saw skillfully hidden in the folds of his hat. Oh, my. And another sewed into the lining of his shoe. He attempted two jailbreaks there, once busting the lock on the corridor door, the other time cutting through bars with a saw he concealed in his shirt. Where did he get this stuff? I don't know. So here it is, uh, August, where it's 1896, a little more than two years into his term at Lansing, he made an escape. During a Sunday church service attended by outside visitors, (laughs) Will got permission to visit the uh, privy. You gotta be kidding! Instead of uh, instead, he slipped into the uh, tailor shop where he had been working, exchanged his prisoner uniform for some fil- civilian duds, returned to the chapel, joined the congregation, enjoyed the sermon. When service uh, wrapped up, he walked straight out of the gate past a substitute guard who didn't know him, and his freedom was short-lived. The next morning, a railroad crew found the exhausted fugitive sleeping along the tracks about three miles. Way. So he really wasn't bright. <laughs> he wasn't bright. Okay, so moving ahead, March 12, 1902, two years short of his full t- uh, certains, uh, the man, the Leavenworth Times, that once described as, quote, the most desperate and nervy man ever incarcerated at the state penitentiary went free. So he only spent eight years. Well, the ex-con soon abandoned any plans he may have uh, had to follow the straight and narrow. On Sunday morning, December 28th, he and a partner burglarized a safe at the post office in Mulhall, Oklahoma Territory. Once again, he only got, he didn't get much. Despite initial reports saying they had over $10,000, they only got about $250 and $150 in postage stamps. Okay. Well, they could have sent a lot of people a lot of letters. Well, when the later stole two horses from a nearby farm, the farmer's wife sounded the alarm. A bunch of mad farmers pursued the men, soon joined by a posse of federal marshals and local lawmen, and they were headed by Sheriff George Foster. So that evening, the lawmen drove the outfit out of hiding along the railroad. Now, the Wichita Daily Eagle reported, quote, but were unable to capture them till after a long fight. It says, though the parties exchanged dozens of shots, the only casualty was one of the stolen horses. The arresting authorities didn't recognize Chad Byrne. Okay, they didn't know who he was. Oh, so they didn't recognize they didn't who know. they were going no, after. No, I see. So they captured what they were told was a guy named James Marks, oh, Willie. Willie. Another guy, William Evans, 
Bob. Uh, Bob. The officers recovered the $100, four new Colt revolvers, and the surviving horse. They transported the fugitives to a jail in Guthrie. They were tried by federal court. The pair pleaded guilty to burglary, and the judge sentenced each to three years of hard labor at the federal penitentiary in Leavenworth. Now, this is Willie and Bob. Yeah. Okay. Under assumed names. Yeah. So uh, they arrived there, and as luck would have it, a Leavenworth guard who had known Willie Uh-oh. recognized him as the former Willie Chadburn. Don't they ever, or didn't they ever do background checks? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, it was before fingerprints. Yeah. Anyway, now, despite a notation on his prison record that he not be paroled on account of being a professional criminal, Chadburn earned credits for good time and walked out of Leavenworth on July 5th, 1905. Uh, during his latest stretch in prison, he'd exchanged letters with a guy named Madgen. I got a feeling this isn't going to be good. <laughs> okay. He was a con. He was only in his mid-20s when Will met him in jail at Guthrie. Uh, immediately on his release, release, Chadburn arranged a rendezvous with this younger buddy named uh, Madgen. Well, the two met in south-central Kansas, and on July 8th, they traveled east to a place called Winfield, and strolling into the Breton House, which is a boarding house, yeah. uh, at 1 a.m. on the 10th, the pair robbed the night porter and a group of travelers that were playing cards in the hotel. So now they got a whopping $76.45. Man, they're high-time people, aren't they? <laughs> well, the robbers then headed afoot for a place called Cedarvale, 30 miles to the southeast. In Cedarvale, on the evening of July 12th, the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe Railroad detective... Frank Calhoun. Now, remember him. We're going to uh, tell about what happens okay. to him. All right. But he just stepped off from the train in search of a place to stay, and he noticed these two shady-looking characters walking through the train yard. Okay? And on reaching the Baird house, uh, a boarding house again, a few, a few blocks from the station, Calhoun overheard a man outside the hotel telling the story about the Winfield holdup. Well, his description of the robbers matched the men on the, the Detective Calhoun had just seen. So he headed for the sheriff's office, and he got the sheriff, or Marshal Butler, and they went out looking. They couldn't find him. Well, early the next morning, uh, Sheriff Butler spotted the guys walking through town. So he grabbed Calhoun, the detective. Yep. They got a Surrey. They were driving. They, they got a, a livery man named Willie Tho- or William Thompson, and they soon uh, went out on the road in this Surrey, and they passed the two guys. Right? Mm-hmm. And, no, they passed them. Yeah, they passed them, and they, that's when they confirmed who they really were. Oh. Now, Calhoun suggested that Thompson uh, drive down the road a little farther and then turn around and approach the two guys from behind. Okay, so you got the picture. We got three guys in a in a Surrey, yeah. and the two outlaws walking in front of them with their backs. I see. So the fugitives were wise to them, however, and as the Surrey drew near, Chadburn spun around, opened fire, and in this brief hot skirmish that followed, the outlaws' first two rounds struck Calhoun. Uh oh, Detective Calhoun. Uh oh. One of the llama's bullets uh, grazed Willie's forehead. No one else was hit. The outlaws, outlaws got away. Calhoun was taken into a doctor, and he, and he died half hour later. Now, did the bad boys, Willie and Bob, did they have horses? No, they were just walking. They were on foot. Yeah, but somehow they, they still got away, and I, I'm assuming maybe they were just 
Marshall Butler may have been trying to get uh, Calhoun to a doctor, get yeah. him taken care of. Okay. So, but anyway, stealing horses from a nearby livery, uh, Willie Chadburn and Madgen lit out for a place called Hewins, seven miles to the southeast. Now, Will pulled uh, what would be his final holdup. He forced a passerby named Ed Claypool to swap his horse for one of the stolen horses. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Sheriff Butler hurried to a local hardware store to get more arms and ammunition. And, and by now we have telephones, all right? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, this okay. is in the early 1900s. Okay. And he telephoned authorities in the next town, Hewins, to be on the lookout for these two guys. Willie and Bob. Yeah. Okay. So by the time the fugitive reached Hewins, a group of citizens alerted by Sheriff or Ma- uh, Marshall Butler's called, had assembled a welcome committee. Oh, I'll bet it was. Chadburn and Madgen first stopped at a hardware store to obtain an extra pistol, pistol and cartridges at gunpoint. Now, here's what's weird, Zeb. Th- uh, they insisted on paying for the items. <laughs> I mean, they weren't rich. They held it up at gunpoint, but they still paid for what they took. That is weird. So, outside, they got back on their horses, and they asked a bystander to point out the drugstore explaining they wanted some whiskey. Well, uh, by then, the uh, posse had started toward them on foot uh, from uh, uh, Jim Pope's mercantile store. Now, they're out in front of the store. Yeah, okay. on horses. Okay. And now the posse is just on foot. I but see. they've got guns. Okay. okay. Now, catching sight of them, Chadburn and Madgen pull. Now, this is another term I'd never heard. Pulled iron. Oh, yeah. Pulled Big iron. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, pulled iron. Uh. <clears throat> wheeled their horses and spurred. Marty Robbins. Yeah. Big iron on their hip. And they spurred forward with a war hoop. They ignored Pope's hollered warning. And at that point, the shooting started. Oh. The posse opened fire from the position of the store. The robbers returned the fire. The fight was short. Madgen was shot from the saddle, hit the ground dead. Chadburn fell badly wounded and immediately surrendered. That was a good move. You know, he's on the ground bleeding. Yeah, I, I would yeah. think you'd probably say, okay. I, I give up. I give up. Okay, so here he is, uh, Willie, suffering a half dozen bullet and buckshot wounds to Holy his abdomen, cow. hip, and leg, as well as uh, a grazing wound to his head. Chadburn was returned to Cedar Vale, where a doctor treated him. Possibly realizing the end was near, Will discussed his crimes and with the deputies assigned to guard him, just told his whole story about his life of crime. Well, by the following morning, Chadburn was stable enough to travel, and Sheriff Wilson... Tra- by the next morning? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's full of holes. <laughs> if he'd have drank something, he'd have, <laughs> he'd have leaked. <laughs> so the sheriff transported him to the jail at Sedan. His mother and sisters visited him several times as his condition got worse. By noon on July 16th, he was fading. Around 4 p.m., the doctor told his patient he likely wouldn't live until morning. Well, minutes later, he checked Chadburn's pulse, and opening his eyes, Will smiled and said, quote, You haven't got me yet, Doc. An hour later, he died. Oh, my. Will Chadburn, the self-styled Billy the Kid of Kansas, uh, never made a name. Uh, folks, if you've heard of this guy, let me know. Cause, I've never heard of that I guy. Mean, and really, it doesn't sound to me like everything you pointed out. Well, he sh- really didn't rob for any kind of uh, profit whatsoever. No. Now, let me show you a picture of him. Look at this. I mean, he doesn't even look like a bad guy. He looks like a 16-year-old he looks, kid. He, yeah. Uh, how old was he when that picture was taken? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but it says he started his life of crime at age 22. So, Oh, my goodness. Uh, what a waste. Yeah. 
So yeah. he was. And that was uh, Wild Willie right there. That was Wild Willie. And then, you know, I thought it was pretty unique that he uh, yeah. went to church and, uh, you know, changed no, clothes. No, he went to the outhouse yeah. and changed clothes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he got, you know, he was probably getting some inspiration from the preaching that was going on. Where did you find this guy, Willie? Uh, I mean, this, that's interesting. This actually came out of a magazine called Wild West. Oh, my goodness sakes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, and they got his picture there and everything. Yeah, yeah. and uh, let me just show you another quick picture. This is the uh, Leavenworth Prison. It says coal mine, Kansas State Penitentiary. Yeah. I mean, that looks like a oh, pretty rough place to be. Pretty cold. Uh, yeah, pretty cold. I can't imagine that being a comfortable yeah, place to be, to be locked up. Wow. So, so that's the saga of Willie, Willie Chadburn. Willie Chadburn. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Well, I appreciate your digging into these various stories. That was a good one. I enjoyed that. Well, it's too bad the uh, the uh, copperhead snake didn't uh, have a little more effect yeah. on the boy. And, and old Bob, he met his demise right there. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he gone. <clears throat> He's gone. He got yeah. shot quite a few times. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Yep. You know, does it ever, you know, like in the Jesse James gang up in Northfield, Minnesota, remember that where the... The city was waiting for him. Yeah. You'd wonder how these guys didn't figure out that something wasn't quite right. And there were some smart outlaws. There's some that, you know, figured out how to do things. I mean, you look about, you know, Butch Cassie, those guys had horses stationed at various places so they could trade horses and outrun the posse. Uh, So there was some... Pretty, pretty smart guys, but there's a pretty dumb guy. Think about too. how far they would have been if they'd applied the intelligence they had to doing something right. <laughs> right. Yeah, what, what more could they have done? I mean, holy smokes. What are we going to do next week? That's a great question. Oh. I won't know until about next Sunday. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor History, you've done it again. Piqued my interest on that story. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very, very much. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the most listened to segments on my program, and that's Dr. History. We always appreciate him being here, and uh, we'll look forward to his next saga of the Old West.